Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think lockdown has exacerbated this, that people are driven back to simpler times. And I think, you know, we're all craving nature. We all fundamentally lead pretty city-led existences now and people have been wanting that connection and when you think of it also at the time churches mosques synagogues were all closed that sense of ritual I think people are looking for things they trust to take with them and I think that crystals and stones have a deeply reassuring sense of permanence that the earth will persevere hello and welcome to the not perfect podcast my name is Poppy Jamie, a recovering perfectionist and the founder of award-winning mindfulness app, Happy Not Perfect. Like the app, this show is about hitting pause and taking time to look after our mind and soul. In this series, I explore how we can make life better in 2020. How can we reduce stress, enjoy life, bounce back from setbacks and get in flow? My guests will be sharing their expert advice and I hope you join me on the journey. Our theme music is courtesy of Mindstream. Visit Mindstream.com to learn more about how their music and environments help you sleep, relax, focus and move. Or find their music on any streaming platform. Let's crack on with the show. On today's show, we have Carol Walton, jewellery historian, stylist and jewellery editor at British Vogue for 20 years. It is such an honor to have a complete expert in stones, jewels, and gems on the show. Carol has written a beautiful book called The New Stone Age. It's a divine insight into the history and power of crystals in helping us relax, ease anxiety, create safety, and help manifestation. I love crystals. I have them in my house. I have them in my car. I have them in my bedroom. They're usually the things that weigh my bag down so much that I end up having to check it. I then have to decamp my suitcase in the middle of the airport trying to kind of take the crystals out. Yeah, as you can imagine. (laughs) 
I'm that really annoying girl at the airport trying to save her crystals before she gets on the flight. But anyway, enough about me and my love for them. In this episode, I talked to Carol about her new book, which is really spectacular because it gives us a deep dive into when and why we started using these beautiful gems in our everyday rituals to improve our well-being. This episode is supported by a brand I've been a huge fan of for years, Aromatherapy Associates. I passionately believe high-quality essential oils are really effective in soothing the mind and body. So to launch their latest shower oils, a line that gives you a full mind and body experience in the bathroom by maximizing the therapeutic benefit of oils, we are teaming up with them to celebrate and encourage us all to take five minutes from our day to reset, refresh and look after our spirit. There is no easier and better way to do this than jumping in the shower. So if you'd like to find out more, and I really encourage you to do so, have a look at the show notes and you can find out more about their oils by visiting www.aromatherapyassociates.com. Anyway, let's get into this interview. So would you mind sharing what is your favorite quote at the moment and why? My favorite quote is by Leonard Cohen. And it says, a crack in everything, that's how the light gets in. And I love that because I think it's sort of admitting that there's no perfection, that there's no perfection anywhere, not in your life, in your marriage, in your job, in, in your children. Everything is slightly imperfect. But through that comes the magic and the light and the joy. And I think really also it really resonates with my book because the new Stone Age is about crystals. And I like to think of these amazing crystal lattices growing between the fractures underneath the ground. I mean, they've come through great volcanic activity, through eruptions of the earth. And it's in these fractures that these atoms can start growing and create this crystal lattice in the cracks. That is so true. And I've often thought that we are a bit like crystals in the sense that, you know, from those moments when you're put under so much pressure, often that's where you find the greatest learnings that you can possibly pick up in life or those gifts. But like crystals, they have to be put under so much pressure to be able to be become so beautiful. And I think often for me, it is the inclusions. It is that sort of earth matter within a stone. Again, I mean... It's the sort of lack of perfection that makes it beautiful. Because mm. I think, you know, in the gemstone world, as you know, everyone seeks the D flawless diamond that's got absolutely crystal clear. And um, for me, that doesn't have the life, that doesn't have that sort of evidence that it's come from the earth. And it's struggle to get there, think what it's gone through to survive this extraordinary journey from the center of the earth and I think to have some evidence of that inside is what makes it really special for me. God that is such a lovely thought you're so right it gosh what a shift right because I feel and you know this kind of uh, I suppose semi-aligns with the fact that you know you're an editor at Vogue which was the definition of perfection for so long so for you to be saying actually imperfection is something to be celebrated Honestly, it makes me just go, oh, God, that's so nice to hear. 
And it's how, and I think in this book, really, what I'm saying is how crystals can help us gain some kind of resilience in life. And that's really um, the goal. That's the goal of how how we face the, the things that arrive at our doorstep because they're going to arrive and how do we deal with them. And it is those those imperfect moments that kind of form us and that we learn from and that sort of create the path of our life. What's a life lesson you've been reminded of recently? that sort of fear of missing out has gone. You know, that we all think we have to, oh my God, we've got, the diary's got to be full. We've got to be busy at every moment. And, and you know, those friends that you talk to who have this roster of busyness and they all compete to be the busiest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy to even talk to you now. I've got to go. <laughs> and um, actually, no, we don't need that. And um, why are we doing that? And half the stuff we're probably A, not enjoying, B, we don't really need to do. And I think that sort of um, it's you get blocked in by too many plans and and too many appointments. And in a way, it's kind of given me a sense of freedom back, which is really nice. How do you define happiness? I think it's sort of peace of mind, not the constant questioning of oneself, because I find that quite, quite exhausting. So I think for me, it's um peace of mind, feeling really happy where I am, just sort of content. I think mm. sort of a contentment, showing gratitude, small everyday pleasures. And I think through that, you get glimpses of happiness. I don't think we can expect to be happy the whole time. But I think through that, you get those glimpses and you get those sort of content moments. And then it's more likely to bubble up. Yeah. So your new book is absolutely stunning. It's called The New Stone Age, and it is as beautiful as it is interesting. Um, So many of us associate crystals with healing, but I've never really understood why, aside from I just personally love them and I definitely feel kind of calmer if I have lots of crystals in my house. But you obviously went and did a deep dive into the history. So I would love to kind of hear, like, when did we as humans start using these crystals in healing rituals? And why do you think we gravitated to these stones? Well, I think it's one of the first things that we did. I think, you know, if you think of early humans coming across something glimmering from the earth, something as extraordinary as a crystal and that structure, and that had just arrived, pushed up through the earth, I think it would have been a very easy step for them to make that it had a preternatural power and that there was something magical about it. And I think that's why these these specimens, these objects, these minerals do look extraordinary. When you hold them and you think the earth produced them, it is sort of magical. And that's why I think through the centuries, there's been this echo that um, they are good for us, that they do heal. And, and very early on, um, from about uh, 1550 BC, there's a document in the British Museum called the Ebers Papyrus, and it described the stones used for healing purposes. Um, the ancients crushed stones, mixed the powder into potions wow. that were fed or applied to the patient. Emeralds were laxatives, rubies cured the spleen, Amethyst is an antidote to snake bites. Lapis lazuli cured eye diseases. It, you know, even as late as 1770, the Borgias physician was um, was writing how amethyst um, was a cure for inebriation. I mean, the Greeks believed that um, 
amethyst could help you not get drunk. <laughs> and um, even as late as 1770, that was being written. It's extraordinary. So many questions. Do we know if there's any actually evidence to show that amethyst, for example, did help the spleen? Or did you find anything that kind of showed the, the, there to be successful patients out of, you know, crystal healing? There was something that I came across that's very interesting, that they use malachite um, in um, the beauty routines. It was very important to the ancient Egyptians, their sort of beauty routines every day, looking after themselves and presenting themselves was really very important. And malachite had a, had a role in that because they used it as coal um, enhancement around their eyes. They believed that an unprotected eye was vulnerable to the evil eye. And in 2010, there were some French researchers analyzing trace residue in some ancient coal pots. And they proved that the lead chlorides and metallic copper carbonate in malachite produced extra nitric oxide in the eye area, which acts as a disinfectant. So they were believing it was protecting that eye. And actually, it's now been proven it was. Because this antibacterial agent would have reduced the risk of eye infections. There were windborne sand along the Nile and waterborne infections, which were very common. And this, the malachite actually would have protected them. That is amazing. And they just use these kind of their own wisdom in looking at the earth. And it's just, it's amazing that we are kind of coming, we're almost more similar or we are gravitating towards these ancient rituals more so now than we have potentially in the last I don't know would you say 50 years would you say well I think I think there was the whole kind of hippie culture where they were really popular in the 70s I think the sort of turquoise and the Navajo Indian style and tiger's eye and that was but it always kept this kind of hippie dippy sensibility and people think oh it's a bit woo woo and mad and um I think now people are driven and I think, you know, maybe lockdown has exacerbated this, that people are driven back to simpler times and um, simpler things and simpler pastimes. And I think, you know, we're all craving nature. We all fundamentally lead pretty city-led existences now and people have been Mm. wanting that connection. We've all realised much more than ever in lockdown that we want connections with other human beings our relationships with our loved ones and maybe even work colleagues and the um, the role they have to play in our lives, that social role, and how important that is. And, you know, I kept reading that jigsaw sales had gone up. And, and when you think of it, also at the time, um, churches, mosques, synagogues were all closed, that sense of ritual, you know, that has obviously lessened a lot in younger people's lives anyway over the last kind of couple of generations. And I think people are looking for things they trust, something they trust um, to take with them. And I think that crystals and stones have a deeply reassuring sense of permanence that the earth will persevere. Yeah, I thought that was such an interesting point in your book when you wrote about how crystals allow us this sense of connection with our Mother Earth. And more so than ever, I completely agree just from a personal standpoint, we're craving that. 
it's such a nice thing to have in your room or by your bed to remind you, I suppose, of that of that kind of grounding principle. I'm really interested in, um, and you touch upon this in your book, about the link between quantum physics and crystals in, again, like promoting their ability to help us heal. If you wouldn't mind explaining that a bit further, that would be amazing. Well, you know, I looked at the science of it and I talked to um, the head curator at the Natural History Museum. I talked to scientists. I went and did experiments. and. There is no science that can be proven. Um, what we can prove is um, the thermal properties of stones. We can measure that. Our energy is promoted by touch and sight. And so we're drawn to crystals, primarily by the light manifesting itself as color. And the temperature of a stone changes too. Uh, the thermal properties Um, It reacts when heat is transferred from our hands and the heat is a form of energy and that can be measured as well. And so you can see, you can hold a temperature different sensor and you can watch the surface temperature rise of the stone. So those are proven stimulants to us, heat and light. Atoms will vibrate, but that doesn't mean anything in terms of the spiritual as far as scientific proof. So the unknown is a person's reaction when they touch a particular stone and the reaction that they have and its synergy with that person. And of course, that can vary wildly. And of course, it's incredibly personal because it says a lot in terms of the placebo effect and the power of suggestion working on the mind, which has a very important place in our culture. And um, it does have an important place in, in medicine. Absolutely. I mean, I always have this conversation with my mother, like people diminish placebo. And actually what placebo, in other words, means is our brains are so powerful and what we lead it to believe, it will manifest in the body. So I am a wholehearted supporter that crystals can really support your well-being. And, you know, you write in the book about a lot of um, personal anecdotes and anecdotes from people you've met who really do rely on their crystals. I would love for you to share any of your kind of personal profound moments you've had with crystals or any of those that you've heard from other people. Well, I did talk to... um the um, professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School, who did say that placebo has generally been denigrated in medicine and its benefits should be promoted, not dismissed. Um, but there was there's one um, wonderful Turkish um, lady, H.S. Siren, in the book, and she was a high-flying executive with uh, Microsoft and Lordship in the Middle East and Turkey and she basically had a terrible case of burnout, you know, over many years. It was sort of happening slowly. And she said to me, it was she said, the saddest thing. She said, I was just like a working machine. All I did was work. And she said, I was only 30 years old and I looked like 65 and I had no fun and no life. And I just literally lived in my office. And she sort of ignored all the signs that were coming and then had a massive, massive case of burnout. And... Um, she then stopped, left in the Grand Bazaar in Istanbul, bought some smoky courts. And slowly she she began relying and using these stones to sort of quieten down her life, to change what she did, to create a new routine and daily rhythm. 
And she started a platform for other women like herself who'd um, suffered from burnout, had been in the corporate world and found it very difficult to thrive. And she made a little um, symbol that she made into a jewel that she wore. And all the people on the platform started asking for one and liked it so much. And slowly she, she began a new business. And now she has this sort of global jewelry business. But she said she doesn't travel so much. She doesn't work as hard. She keeps it managed. And um, she just has this much more um, mindful, thoughtful life and, um, and equates it with the time that she bought with Smoky Quartz. I would love for you to take us through a few of your favorite stones and why they are your favorite in and why they they're unique in their special purpose or their their symbolism. Well, I love tiger's eye. And I talk in the book about how I was given one as a teenager by my parents. And um, it reminds me to stand my ground. And um, it's sort of learning the lessons of boundaries, how to have a boundary. And I think actually unwittingly, my parents probably didn't know any of this. They just bought it. They were on a trip. They just thought it looked nice. But actually, as a teenager, you're beginning to test your boundaries and your strength and what you can say and what you can do. And I think that's actually probably a very good stone, a very um, opposite stone to give um, a young person. Why also I like it that brown is, you know, always considered by the ancients as a very sort of... um lowly color uh unlike red and purple that were very regal colors um bright dyes were very expensive so only the upper classes could possess colorful fabrics and status and rank were then immediately visible so brown always had this it was a sort of ignoble color worn by the peasants but also i think it describes all colors in nature and so i think it's actually one of the best colors because it's symbolic of survival in nature, the soil from which we grow our food. Without brown, we wouldn't survive. Um, what else? Well, I love rock crystal. Um, rock crystal is really my favourite. And um, I love the sort of wisps and, as I say, that sort of earth matter that goes inside. And it almost looks like little wisps of fire and smoke. And the Japanese, the ancient Japanese, called that the breath of the white dragon, which I think is really romantic. And I think just looking into a rock crystal, it's very distracting, which I think is uh, very positive, can have a really positive effect because it takes your mind off what you're absorbed in, what you're worried about. And um, I think you can see things a bit more clearly and you can, if you concentrate on it. And I think through that, unconsciously, solutions bubble up to the surface while you're not thinking about it subconsciously you might be figuring out actually what's going on I like holding it up to the light it changes at different times of the day according to the light and actually the majority of people I talked to in the book kept it in their workspace and used it for thinking that's really cool which stone um, would you suggest for having beside your bed to help you sleep and one to I don't know calm the mind calm anxiety Amethyst. Amethyst soothes an overactive mind. As I said, the Greeks used to say that it would help with drunkenness, but it is meant to help with over-dependency on anything. So that can wow. be anything. could be our mobile phones, could be a person, could be any kind of sort of unhealthy pattern of behaviour. It's meant to really help you. 
so it gives you calm, lucidity. Uh, you can keep it by your bed, put it under your pillow. Um, and then, you know, if your mind's quieter, it leaves space for more positive thoughts, more creative thoughts to come up. And I think that's what I talk about in the book, that these things are like sort of memorandums. Amethyst can be your mauve memorandum by your bed to remind you of what you want to do and if it's whether it wants to you want to switch off from your mobile phone or not get involved in social media, not mind so much. You look at it and then that that's your intention. And every time you play out the enact the new intention, you're slowly building a new response to this thing you want to change. And cumulatively over time, you know, that will become your new response and you won't have to think of it so much you won't have to try so hard and every time you see the amethyst it will be there inside you already and just that um, trigger of no no social media wow I love this idea of using these crystals and I think probably we're doing this already but just how you verbalized it is I don't know I'm finding so inspiring using these crystals as symbols of the best versions of ourself and so depending on what you're trying to improve whether it's you know calming the mind or freeing yourself from everyday addictions to be able to look into and this is why the book is basically a dictionary for all of these crystals you really understand which is each crystal's purpose is and to find which ones you may need at that moment and you you know I imagine um and I and I ask you like has have at some points in your life you've gravitated to some crystals but as you've gone through different experiences you've lent towards others yeah I didn't sort of realize at the time and funnily enough I didn't realize until I wrote this book quite how many I had in my house. <laughs> I wrote the first chapter of the book and sent it to my agent and my publisher. And they said, no, we want a bit more of you in it, Carol. So I thought, okay, well, I'll write about the Madagascan rose quartz I have in my sitting room. I'll write about my agate spheres. And I'll write about my black tourmaline. And I suddenly thought, God, I have a lot of crystals. <laughs> and, and I suddenly realized at the times of my life that I got them. I, I might not have been totally aware of it, but sort of in retrospect, you are. And um, I think amethyst has been very important. I had this extraordinary experience buying my house 10 years ago uh, that I talk about in the book. And some of these things appear to be coincidences, but they're sort of slightly magical coincidences. And that I had a very, very strong reaction to this house, I felt absolutely convinced that it was my house and I would live in it sort of rather madly <laughs> and having only seen it once I just absolutely had a physical reaction is all I can say and moved in and um, about a month later I was out in the garden kind of messing around and digging and I dug up an amethyst geode wow and somebody had obviously left it buried it forgotten it but I thought, this is very weird. Here I am, a jewellery editor. I write about stones. I had this overwhelming feeling I had to live in that house. And I found that in the garden. And I just, it's a coincidence, but it's one of those ones you cannot explain. You know, I had another story from um, another woman I spoke to for the book. Again, you know, super sharp and intelligent and um, just said she loved her grandmother loved, loved, loved her grandmother, lost her grandmother when she was quite young. 
and her grandmother um, always wore a big tiger's eye ring. And her grandmother had been had died some a few years earlier and thought about her a lot. And um, she'd taken up yoga, and her yoga teacher was going away traveling and said, "Oh, I just want to give you a gift," and gave her a tiger's eye bracelet. And she thought, gosh, she hadn't thought about tiger's eye since her grandmother had died. And then she was walking in the street, came across this friend who she knew was quite psychic. She knew she had those qualities. And the friend drew her aside and said, I don't know why I have to tell you this, but I have to tell you, your grandmother said she sent you a present and she said, there's no way this woman could have known that. There's no way the yoga teacher would have given her tiger's eye. She said, again, one of those coincidences and strange events that came out of nowhere and are so hard to explain. I love these stories so much. And I I was once told by this amazing woman um, about 10 years ago, she said, there's no such thing as a coincidence. They are coordinated incidences. And I think that those stories are such beautiful examples of um, how if we're willing and open to see magic, then there is certainly a lot of magic to be found. Did anyone share with you any particular kind of rituals they have around their crystals? For example, what types of meditations they pair their crystals with? Or do they, you know, have them in the bath? Or I don't know, is there any particular kind of rituals that you found inspiring? Yes. People use them in any way they want, in any way that suits them. Some people bath in them, some people. Um, the beauty director of Vogue, Jess Diner, she has a lot on her desk. And she takes out which ones she feels she needs that day. She often carries them in her bra if she has a tricky meeting. She actually got married with um, a blue appetite, I think, in her bra. And so she said she does wash her crystals, but she doesn't wash that one because she said when she takes it out, she exactly has that memory of being married. And so she's got particular crystals that she's held at important times and then she keeps them. And then she has uh, amethyst roller that she keeps in the bathroom if she has an acne breakout. She has a jade roller, rose quartz roller. Victoria Beckham uses them backstage before shows, puts them in pockets of models going down the runway. It's all about being calm and projecting that positivity that she wants from a, a good show. Uh, I know somebody, I came across somebody who actually I didn't put in the book, but she sleeps under a crystal canopy, literally sleeps under it. Um, there's all kinds of things that um, people do. But I think it's about um, getting clarity and, as I say, working with it. And it's something you can use to tap into yourself mm. and knowing you are in charge of your own energy. And this crystal can help you, but you're in charge of it and you can't then blame the world. You can't use these excuses and hide behind them because actually we all want to live lighter, live better and get rid of these constructs we build for ourselves and niggles that eat away at us. You want to get freedom from that. And I think that's what crystals are, are good at. I love that. We are in control and in charge of our energy. That is such a... Such a nugget for this conversation. And it is, I 
wholeheartedly uh, believe in it too. Um, so if you wouldn't mind finishing with a quick uh, fire round, uh, if you could finish my sentence, that would be great, Carol. So the best piece of advice you've been given is? A very, uh, an elderly lady, what a long time ago, and she asked me what I did, and I said I'd chosen jewellery as my subject, and she said, it's the best thing you can do and do it for the rest of your life because you'll never be bored. First thing in the morning, I go downstairs and have manuka and hot water. And that puts me in the right frame of mind to listen to the news. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great tip. I'll be doing that tomorrow. And um, before I go to sleep, I uh, look at my nightstand. I have um, a photograph of my children and I have um, an angel like crystal in a little pot. And I, and I look at that. So I just look at two things. The person I love most in the world is? Well, I have to say my husband. (laughs) (laughs) We have a very matriarchal and female household. So I love him for putting up with our femininity. If I could do it all again, I would? Bought a Jean de Pré rig that I saw and I had the chance to buy years ago. And I said no and thought about it and I lost it. And I will probably never see a ring like that again. I'd love to meet... The Duchess of Windsor. She's my jewellery heroine. So I would love to meet her, encourage her to read my book. And so she would got some joy out of it because she basically wore all the jewellery in a way to, she said, my husband gave up um, being king for me. So the least I can do is always look my best. And I thought that was quite sad And I don't know how much joy she got from it. And I think she was vilified as a woman. And I think she worked with a lot of jewellery designers and I think left her own devices. She could have had a career. She could have had a career designing. And I sort of feel like she was the least happy person wearing the most jewellery. And I would love to um, talk to her about that and tell her to read my book and get happiness from the stones. Yeah, to find that kind of wonder in the jewellery that she's wearing. Wow. If you really knew me, you would know. That like everybody else, I struggle with confidence and that's such a waste of time. Um, What is the best way to find you on social media and to find your book? And I will, of course, put all of this in the show notes, but from you, where would that be? It's at Carol Walton and um, on the web, I'm www w.carolwalton.com. Thank you so much for your honesty, your intelligence, your wisdom that you've shared with us today. Um, I've really enjoyed chatting to you. Well, thank you so much, Poppy, for having me. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Of course, it would be amazing and very appreciated if you wouldn't mind hitting subscribe and sharing this podcast. You can find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram. DM me questions or any guest suggestions. I'd love to hear from you. And also, if you have a moment, download Happy Not Perfect. It's my mindfulness app that helps you manage stress, anxiety, sleep, and ultimately makes you feel happier every single day in less than five minutes. See you next time. Sending you lots of love and energy. Till then.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 